Standing for life. Personally opposed does nothing to actually stand up for the protection of innocent human beings. It does nothing to help. It's coming from a place of pain and a culture full of broken psyches trying to cover up for the trauma of abortion and rejected motherhood. Standing for truth. You got three days in the belly of a giant fish trying to figure out why you went west when God specifically told you to go east. But we all do this. You're not going to confess something the priest has never heard. You haven't invented any new sins. Whatever your struggle, you're not alone. That's what Jesus came to do. He came to heal brokenness. This is Ready to Stand on the Spirit Catholic Radio Network. Here's your host, Cullen Harrod. Hello and welcome to you. This is Ready to Stand, Spirit Catholic Radio Network. This is your home for a weekly discussion on how to build a culture of life. I am Cullen Harrod. Cullen at kvss.com is the email, C-U-L-L-E-N at kvss.com. About a week and a half ago, I had the chance to talk with Dr. John Bruchalski, former abortion provider, practicing OBGYN, author of the book, Two Patients, My Journey from Abortion to Life-Affirming Medicine. I talked with him for about an hour. Last week on this program, we aired part one of the interview. This week, it's time for part two. And uh, if you want to go back and listen to part one, you can do that by visiting spiritcatholicradio.com slash ready to stand. You can scroll down to where that has all the past episodes. Uh, but with no further ado, here's part two of my interview with Dr. John Bruchalski. I have uh, been saying for years that it is impossible to look around at our culture and look at the pain and the hurt that comes from abortion. And if you are not looking at it through the lens of trauma, then there's going to be an aspect that's missing. I don't think that you can understand what is happening in the culture. We in Nebraska right now are debating a legislative bill, 626, the Heartbeat Act. And so... On either side, you have, of course, you have the pro-life side, and then you have the abortion industry side. And it is impossible to understand, this is my opinion, impossible to understand the abortion industry side without understanding trauma, without understanding cognitive dissonance, which you talked about earlier, and without understanding defense mechanisms that come into play and what a human brain can do to protect its own self, You know what the psyche does to protect itself. Oh, Colin, there's a wonderful book out there called The Female Brain, written by, I think, two uh, female uh, neuroscientific researchers, I think at a USC, UCLA. And once you understand limbic system and thalamus Mm -hmm. from the medical side, the prefrontal cortex, how the self and addiction and pain over and over and how you have to compensate... um, I am convinced that um, part of my desire to start Tepiac OBGYN, Tepiac Family Center back in the day, and Divine Mercy Care was out of my healing after Rachel's Vineyard, what have you, but um, also out of my experience of performing abortions. I wanted to kind of help and do something different, and the only place I could find that was after my uh, faith interaction with the sacred and immaculate hearts. Um, On the other side, 
it's getting so violent that when I look at Jane's Revenge, the other side's uh, stormtroopers or brown shirts or whatever you want to call them that damage and destroy and mock, um, it's post-traumatic stress. When, Amen. When you decrease your language and you increase the volatility and the violence, violence begets violence. And when it's done to you, you do it to others. And this is like psychiatry 101. It but is. It's everything yeah. is now fluid and debatable. And as I think um, Archbishop Chaput said to us, Johnny, when words no longer matter or don't have common, like mercy killing rather than divine mercy, like accompaniment and walking through, and you don't understand your true self because you don't understand sin anymore, and you don't understand uh, behavior, and we've distorted all of it, and then logic no longer matters. So even reasoning has lost its way because of the tyranny of relativism on various scales. The only way to act is through love is you must witness love. For the Lord, when he cried over Jerusalem, he had to go to the cross. Friday, Good Friday, and all this stuff we just celebrated led to the resurrection. But it's through that. And I'm convinced, man, just like you keep talking about, you know, this is, these defense, it's, it's getting us back. And the only way you can do this now is witness it. Like, Engage in the love of Christ with another. That's it. And it's hard because I want to, like, make a point, and I want to do this, but it's not about that. It's about looking on them with, as Jesus said, with pity, and a pity that's not pejorative. It's human, right? Yeah, and it and it spurs us to something better. Well, it spurs us to charity. It should one should spur us to prayer also. Um, and I want to, you know, I want to continue with your story because I know it spurred you to something as well. Um, and I want to kind of shift our focus from maybe what we've been talking about onto what you're doing now. And so I'm going to take us back to the title of your book, which is Two Patients: The Journey sure. from Abortion to Life Affirming Medicine." And I want to just ask you, Dr. John, what is life-affirming medicine? So, um, on the hill uh, in Yugoslavia, um, I heard she said, excellent medicine, see the underserved alongside the served every day, the least of his children, his brothers and sisters, and follow the teachings of my son's church. And oh, by the way, before you leave us, before you leave here, go show yourself to a priest. Those three principles are about life-affirming medicine. That's the core. And life-affirming medicine for us now at Tepiac, it's on the, on the financial side, we are a not-for-profit. So we ask for alms through Divine Mercy Care, which is the umbrella, to beg for our community to care for its own. You know, it throughout Lent, it's what? Alms, prayer, and fasting. 
Well, we do the same thing, but it's just year-round. We add that to medicine, practice excellent medicine. So alms is about giving the community an opportunity for grace and humility to believe that they have to care for the least in our own community. And we've been talking about this now for 30 years across the country. And others are, you know, picking up on it, especially on the nonprofit end. The medical end, it's, you know, children, you know, family. um, Well, the body is image and likeness, life-affirming. It's that we are a body, soul, and spirit put together. We're not just a body. We're not just a soul, and we're not just a psyche. And so if we take care of people, it's about food and exercise and herbs and alternatives. It's also about good psychiatric care. It's all about, you know, um, uh, looking at the whole person, the depression, the anxiety, where is it coming from, get to the root of problems. But it's also, are you praying or meditating? If you don't believe in God, you better start meditating. And once you kind of realize there is a higher power, you better start praying. Once you get to that, you know, and it's just helping meeting people where they're at. And it's about science medicine, high-tech, and it's allopathic and homeopathic. It's both and. Because remember, we believe that it's excellent women's health care. That's what's really here. And so we don't shut off fertility as the chains of reproductive hell, which is what the world says, and Marx said. It's about, no, it's the language of your body that needs to be understood and collaborated and cooperated with, like Teresa Kenny in your area talks about with Megan Drapa and the entire, that, that, that whole wonderful place at Santa Familia and, uh, and others there in town or in, the, you know, in, uh, in Nebraska. Um, so that is life-affirming medicine. It's about you don't stamp out fertility through surgery and destroy the normal. You don't just throw carcinogens at your body just to separate love and life. Uh, you, you know, this is not how you do it. You don't disrupt the dopamine system. You don't disrupt the hypothalamic pituitary ovarian access. That's how your body does hormones. You have to look at the whole person. And it's excellent surgery or NAPRO technology out of the Paul the Six. I mean, this is huge. This is, this is life-affirming medicine. And it's standing in the gap, or it's standing in opposition to provider service model of medicine, where whatever's technologically possible is feasible, and you just treat everything with Band-Aids. Every female medical problem, oh, you just throw a birth control pill at it, Uh, Oh, they want to have sex outside of, well, okay, well, if you're 13 or if you're 40, it doesn't matter. We're going to contracept you. And, oh, by the way, if you fail, here's abortion for you. And if you want to have a baby right now, we'll just send you to the IVF doctors, and they will, you know, your embryo becomes something other than your child. You use it rather than love it. You own it rather than care for it. It's your property, not your child. That is what the world is saying, and we're saying, stop. This is not good for any of us. 
It's not good for you, the patient. It's not good for us, the doctor. And it's absolutely not good for the culture um, around us. And so that's life-affirming medicine. That's what Tepiac has been doing. So the practical aspects are when we have a baby that's real sick and the world says, oh, get rid of it, it's not, you know, it's incompatible with life, even though it is alive inside mom. We have a perinatal hospice where we treat the womb as a hospice. And you maximize the time the mom has with her sick child. We have many forms of fertility awareness-based methods, seeing how can we help you understand the language of your body. We do hormonal analyses, and we look at the whole person, so we think about thyroid, adrenal, ovary. We do surgery to help fix those issues. We do herbs and um, uh, vitamins and homeopathy when, you know, once again, it's slow medicine and fast medicine. I suffered a um, heart block, uh, a complete heart block. My heart rate dropped into the 20s, 30s in November of last year. So I experienced throughout all the illnesses in my life what the excellence of high-tech, acute uh, ICU medicine can be. But I've also seen that we've medicalized everything, and we've made everything like a car, the human person as a as mechanistic and made it uh, deterministic. And by doing that, we've devalued what humans really are, that rational animal, that, that incredible body, soul, and spirit made in the image and likeness of God. And so that's what life-affirming medicine can be. And it stands, that is the, that is the answer to the diagnosis of what's wrong at the heart. Abortion is never good for health. Contraception is never good for health. It's never good. Once again, this is all part of that same approach. And that's how you help, you know, show others through this that put us next to an abortion clinic or next, we'll, we'll see patients. We'll be, we'll be, you know, we'll be part of the solution. And so, uh, yeah, that's it. Dr. John Bruchalski is my guest. This is Ready to Stand, Spirit Catholic Radio Network. We're talking about life-affirming medicine. Dr. John, one thing that I think about often is, and you were just talking about all the things that you do to care for women at the Tepeyac Center, is this is, in a way, it's a matter of justice, isn't it? It's not only justice for the unborn child, but what about justice for women and treating women in a way that respects their fertility, respects their cycles? I always feel that care for women that neglects those things is, frankly, it's an unjust way to care for them. Absolutely. Because we have, remember, the ideology of controlling your body, whether it's through hormones, uh, you know, synthetic hormones, or through abortion surgery. We have, it is funded by the uh, medical industrial complex, so to speak. And the studies that are generated are all about 
that ideology, that's why when they say, oh, it's evidence-based, well, whose evidence and whose standards? Justice would be transparency and saying this is the reality, this is why one says this and the other says this, ma'am, you can choose, and I want to treat you the way I would want you to treat me. We give you options. We give you alternatives. And you can pick and choose. And if you pick things that I think are unhealthy for you, remember, doctors have been silent. They just kept their mouth shut mostly, or they didn't want to be advertised as Catholics or Christians or pro-life or what have you. And for so long, we've abdicated our role as physicians. People who care about the good of the other, and that's the justice. Because, you know, abortion is really about human rights, the life of the child in the womb. But once it became what is legal is okay, whether it was slavery or what have you, um, you lose your moorings. That's why mercy becomes, you know, Flannery O'Connor uh, said mercy leads to the gas chamber in the 40s, and she would have said mercy leads to the abortion clinic in the 2000s. Because once you remove mercy from truth and justice, you're left with zero. It can go anywhere it wants, and it usually goes might makes right, and we can get rid of those who disagree with us, period. So yeah, buddy, it is, it is about justice. What is merciful medicine? Well, once again, um, Jesus said, you know, go uh, baptize and teach, heal. By his stripes, you know, what did we just learn about Lent? By his stripes, we are healed. The wages of sin are death. He conquered death. Mercy is about divine mercy. It's the Sunday we just celebrated it's about the answer to the world's brokenness is his mercy. It's not politics, and it's not other things. Even though we have to play those games, we have to return medicine back. We have to give medicine back to mercy. It's that rebirth that he talks about through blood and water, water and the spirit. <laughs> it's all about returning a rebirth, a renewal of medicine. So... Visiting the sick is the way mercy is, you know, talked about, whether it's, you know, uh, at the, uh, you know, in kind of uh, Galatians 5 and the gifts of the Holy Spirit or what have you. And uh, I fully believe that by we're part of that. And the Lord was the ultimate divine healer, the divine physician. He was filled with mercy in his heart, the font of mercy. And so, therefore, um, merciful medicine is about accompaniment. It's about walking people through, and when they're panicked because of a bad, adverse fetal diagnosis, or whether they hear they have an illness, or they have a sexually transmitted disease, and they're dealing with guilt or shame or anger or bitterness or divorce, you listen and you go the extra mile as a physician. And whether it's the folks at Sancta Familia or the Paul VI Center, or at Tepeyac OBGYN, or, or those of the other centers across the country, I guarantee you that you'll find excellent medicine 
and compassionate hearts at these centers where they understand what it means to be human, but they also understand what human flourishing is all about. And the way of medicine that they practice, we practice, is definitely not like what the provider service model of the world, you know, you're not customers to us. We're not here to please you. We're here to give you our best advice and sacrifice alongside of you. So when your heart fears and you are trembling because you are so broken inside that you want to end your life or you think ending the life of your child is necessary, love conquers fear. And uh, John's, you know, the Gospels, Book of Acts. We can have another Book of Acts moment, uh, Colin. And so, yeah, that's merciful medicine. And that's what people are doing in their own way across the country. It's about relationships, and it's about treating diseases, not treating people who have those, killing those people who have diseases. It's about loving patients. So that's why how we say medicine's an act of mercy. Dr. John Bruchalski is my guest. Ready to stand, Spirit Catholic Radio Network. Uh, Dr. John, as we kind of wind down on our time here, you guys are doing something amazing at Tepiak OBGYN. I want to talk about sort of this movement. And if you could give me in two or three minutes sort of your vision for what uh, life-affirming medicine would be or become over the next five years, 10 years, if we're looking down the road, what do you want a culture of life medicine to look like? So, um, thanks for that question. Divine Mercy Care that we're a part of right now is literally helping others see how almsgiving and how we're all connected, we're all in relation to each other. Our communities have to be that way. Right now, the elites are crushing our students. They're calumniating them. They are pressuring them to compromise their conscience. So when you talk about the big vision of five years from now, that's one thing. But right now, we need to mentor, listen, help, exhort. Because remember, most of these young life affirmers that are in the pipeline, they believe they were called into medicine by God. If they balk on that, that's called disobedience. So the first part of this program is we need to support that generation of younger professionals that are studying, no matter whether it's nursing or medicine or nurse practitioner or midwifery, number one. Number two is we absolutely need to come alongside all our burned-out friends who are, you know, 25 to 75, and they're fed up. We need to kind of come together in community. If the government allows us, we need to form and practice and help show others how to do this. You know, for 30 years, people are like, oh, you can't treat ectopics. Oh, you can't treat miscarriages. Oh, you have, to save, you have to save the life of the mother by killing the baby. Well, for 30 years at Tepiak OBGYN, we haven't done any of those. Medicine has progressed in five decades. That's two score and ten years ago, according to Abraham Lincoln. And I'm telling you. We can care for moms excellently now. Get the, get the baby to viability. We can care for both. You don't have to pit mom against baby. Thirdly, we have to take our bioethics and our morality 
and create it into language that is understandable. We have to use common language and keep harping on definitions, but we have to do it in a new way through questions, not so much the answers. We need to provide questions to our friends and family that don't agree with us or don't understand us to make them question their positions, because remember, logic is no longer there. And so doctors, in OBGYN especially, have to look at the help the woman realize the language of her body. We need to partner with pregnancy centers where we take their least, their worried, the women who are on the verge of abortion. We, you know, we can't continue to outlaw it. You can't keep looking at legalities. It's about transforming hearts through health care. And you do that one-on-one, one at a time, by love and by compassion and patience and all those gifts that I was thinking about in Galatians 5. That's how you do it. Or 1 Corinthians 13, what is love? Love is patient, love is kind, love is never... That's what we need to be doing. It's us looking at ourselves. It's not so much, oh, they're the problem. If we all lived in the trust of Jesus Christ, in the deep silence of our prayers, the grace of Jesus Christ will provide for us the love of the mother because we're her children. She, we're under her mantle. And as she told little Juanito, hey, don't fear any illness, vexation, anxiety, or pain. Am I not your mother? Are you not in the crossing of my arms? Are we not your fountain of life? Aren't you safe? Is there anything else you need? That's what the life-affirming medicine will look like. And it, look at ourselves. What else can I do rather than, oh, they're the bad people? And so I want to thank you for this opportunity, uh, Colin. Your program, you, really have your finger on the pulse of issues. And of all the interviews, I've, this is, you, you just know how to bring it out of us. So I'm, I'm very grateful. I appreciate that. Very kind words. Dr. John Bruchalski is the author of the book, Two Patients, My Journey from Abortion to Life-Affirming Medicine. Dr. Bruchalski, amazingly, we're out of time. Uh, Thank you so much for the work you do. Thank you so much for writing the book, for putting your story out there, for being a pioneer in this field. And uh, thank you again for joining me today. Let's pray for each other. Okay, buddy? Thank you. We'll do it. Amen. Cullen at kvss.com is the email, C-U-L-L-E-N at kvss.com. Again, this was part two of my interview with Dr. John Bruchalski. If you are interested in checking out part one, be sure to visit spiritcatholicradio.com slash ready to stand. And you can find uh, both parts of the interview there, as long as any other information about this program. Be sure to keep the dial tuned right here to Spirit Catholic Radio, Catholic Programming, Around the Clock, helping you encounter Jesus. Ready to Stand will return next Saturday at 5 o'clock. Of course, you can catch the Encore Sunday at 5.30. And we'll talk more about how to build a culture of life. In the meantime, God bless you. Be ready to stand. And as always, be not afraid. You've just heard Ready to Stand on the Spirit Catholic Radio Network. Send your questions and comments to Cullen at kvss.com. That's Cullen, C-U-L-L-E-N, at kvss.com. Be ready to stand every Saturday afternoon at 5 
and Sunday afternoon at 530.